Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of Beyond the Known, our guest is Tim Nikolai, Senior Community Impact Director for the American Heart Association of Wisconsin. Tim, wonderful to have you on the program. Fantastic to be here on a cold day. Thank you. Absolutely. But on this cold day, it warms me up because I'm speaking to a fellow Ripon College Redhawk. I don't know about you, Tim, but somebody told me geniuses go to Ripon. What do you think about that? Sounds like a good theory for me to thrust operate on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and they're going to see within three minutes. Yeah, listening to you, that is totally not the case, you knuckleheads. Anywho, <laughs> wonderful to have you, Tim. Not only are you a friend of mine, not only do we have the Ripon connection, but obviously we also have a passion for the American Heart Association and the wonderful work you guys do day in and day out. Let's start with this. The heck does a senior community impact director do? What's that all about? Some days I'm still trying to figure that out myself, Paul, but you know, the great news for me is that it's something different day in and day out. There's days where I'm talking to legislators about the policy work we're trying to advance. There's days where I'm talking to nurses about how to better manage and measure blood pressure. So just a ton of variety, but the common denominator is that I get to help bring our mission to life in the community, which is always fantastic. Yeah, I'm into that. And you're doing a lot of good work. So we're certainly going to get to that. But talk to me about this army brat life. What the heck does that mean? And what, uh, where did this army brat life take you? Sounds like it's been quite the journey. Yeah, my dad is a retired military police officer after 20 some years in the U.S. Army and got to take us around the world with him, really, which was a fantastic experience. You know, I was born here in Wisconsin but quickly moved to various states, Alabama, Kentucky, New Mexico, Kansas, and Washington. And also had a chance to live around the world a little bit too. Did a couple of years in Korea. And then my high school years were actually spent in Germany. Don't ask me to speak German. I was just, well, I was actually, I was gonna ask you to speak Korean, but whatever, I guess we can (laughs) skip that. There's a lot of stickers on this man's luggage and suitcase. That's for sure. Where was your favorite place to live? Tim, I'm sure you've seen a lot. You've experienced a lot of cultures. Where would be the favorite place that you've ever resided, would you say? Yeah, there were great things about all of those places, or at least most of them. But I think you can't beat the experience of going to high school in Germany and getting to travel around Europe at the drop of a hat and see so much history there. So definitely wouldn't have traded that for anything. And I have to ask this because I'm fascinated and producer Cheryl will tell you I'm a bit of a nerd, but one of the things that I love is I love history. I love politics. I love just what's going on around the world in some of these cultures. Having lived in Korea, I mean, do you follow activities on the Korean peninsula still relatively closely like North Korea, South Korea, what's going on? Or is that old news for you by now? It definitely captures my interest because some of the names and places are still familiar to me. And, you know, one of the weirdest experiences of my life, but a good one was they allowed Americans at the time to travel up to the demilitarized zone between the two Koreas. And just looking across that border at the, the face of North Korean guards, that'll stick with you for sure. Yeah, and they're wondering what must be going on on the other side there. That's got to be quite a harrowing experience, but good stuff. I will never read about Korea in the newspaper the same way, now that I know that my friend Tim had lived there. So of all the places you've lived, of all the things you've seen, why did you settle on Wisconsin for college? 
Yeah, uh, like I said, I was born here. My parents are both Ripon grads as well. So my dad finished up ROTC and left, but we always re- maintained strong connections to Wisconsin. Had relatives here that I knew I could count on as I came back from Germany to kind of help me through college a little bit. And love the Green Bay Packers too. So a chance to watch them whenever possible was a nice perk as well. Yeah, once those cheese curds get in your blood, man, it's it's hard to go back. For sure. Heart healthy ones, so hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I forgot who I was talking to for a minute there. Yes, please accept my apologies. But I think that's a great segue, Tim. It's like you've been on a podcast or two before, brother. This is good stuff. Why did you get involved with the American Heart Association to begin with? I'm not trying to blow smoke up your hinder, but you're a talented guy. You've seen a lot. you got a lot of connections. You could be successful in a lot of areas in life. Why have you decided to devote your life to the American Heart Association? Yeah, you know, I got out of college and wasn't exactly sure where to take those first career steps. I had a vague sense of I wanted to help people. And I remember doing Jump Rope for Heart back when I was a fourth or fifth grader. So had that in my back back of my mind a little bit and just went for it. But certainly at the time did not expect to be here almost 13 years later. I've had a chance to do a variety of different things over that time and anticipate being here for quite a lot longer because we're doing good things. This might be like choosing between your children, if you even have children. But when you look back at your career over the past 13 years, what's been the highlight? I think the highlight, I mean, it is a tough question to, to come up with a singular answer for. But the highlight is any chance we have to see the impact we're making. For a while, one of my roles was to go into schools and talk about nutrition and physical activity, et cetera. And I had a, a PE teacher call me after one of my presentations, a little bit annoyed because after my presentation, a kid had gone home and thrown out all the junk food in the house. And so parent was a little bit concerned about what that did to their grocery bill for the month. But at the same time, I knew we were making an impact at that moment. So it's kind of a silly example, but anything we can do like that makes you feel like you accomplished something that big. I would definitely agree, especially with childhood obesity where it is, especially with a lot of these health epidemics that we're facing as a culture. I think that's a very positive step in the right direction. So talk a little bit about the involvement between the AHA and the Star Group. A lot of these listeners to us right now know that we're all about culture. We're all about health. We're all about making sure that our employees are the best possible versions of themselves physically, mentally, spiritually, psychologically, all these things. And the American Heart Association has been a fantastic partner over the last couple of years. So what has that partnership between the Star Group and the AHA looked like over your tenure? Yeah, lots of layers to that connection and that relationship. You know, Mary Starr is such a huge proponent of worksite wellness, and that's one of the buckets that falls under my purview at the Heart Association is working with employers to support building a culture of health for their workforce. So Mary and I have been talking for quite a while, you know, a good chunk of those five or six, eight last years. And through kind of that umbrella of worksite wellness, Mary got more involved and then brought the rest of the Star Group along with her in a lot of ways you know, through our heart walk that you were a big part of and the star group continues to be involved in through that annual workplace health recognition for your success there. Mary now sits on our board and is our board chair. So just a fantastic relationship that we're definitely grateful for. What would you say are the biggest needs 
of the American Heart Association because as you alluded to, and I mean this seriously, one of the blessings of my life was to serve as the chairman of the 2019 Milwaukee AHA Heart Walk. That was fun. That was enjoyable. We did a whole lot of good stuff together. And one of the questions that I got was, well, Paul, why should I volunteer for the AHA? They're a nationwide organization. Paul, why should I donate to the AHA? They generate billions of dollars in revenue every single year. So from the outside looking in, some people might say, well, they don't need my help. This this smaller nonprofit does. So what are some of the biggest needs for the AHA and why are they important? Yeah, you know, our mission is to be a relentless force for a world of longer, healthier lives. And that's a mouthful to say, let alone reach for. But I think it really does hold true. When we think about the, when I think about the work we're doing in terms of, you know, just to keep it simple for this conversation, medical research. In 2018, we funded about $14 million worth of research right here in Wisconsin. So a tremendous investment, not only in health, but the economic benefits, the jobs that created. At the same time, though, our research review committee identified another six and a half million dollars of meritorious projects in Wisconsin that went unfunded. And so there's a gap there in terms of one of those projects could have been, you know, the next big thing in cardiovascular disease management that never, or at least not for now, had a chance to see the light of day because that gap exists. And similarly in other areas of work that we do as well. If we look at what you do at the American Heart Association is a battle. And maybe that's not a good analogy, but I kind of look at life as a battle. Every day you're battling. You're battling the doubt in your head. You're battling demons. You're battling external forces. Every day is kind of a battle. If you look at what you're doing at the AHA as you're battling obesity, you're battling heart disease, you're battling stroke, are we winning this battle or are we losing this battle? That's a complicated question. You know, I think if you look at the rates of cardiovascular disease since the 1960s, for instance, they've dropped dramatically. Far fewer Americans are dying of heart disease proportionately than were back in the 1960s. At the same time, we know that heart disease remains the number one killer in the United States and across the country and and right here in Milwaukee. Still about one in three deaths can be attributed to some form of cardiovascular disease. And so progress has been made, but there's a big hill to climb in front of us as well, especially as we look at things like, as you said, childhood obesity, rates increasing, uncontrolled hypertension rates increasing, the rise of e-cigarettes and vaping. There's some headwinds against us, but progress is still being made. Well, and it's wonderful to have you on the front lines, Tim, to know, again, based on my role with the American Heart Association, the story of me losing my father-in-law on his 60th birthday is widely known, and that really compelled me to take action. I also lost my maternal grandmother to a lengthy battle of cardiovascular disease, too. This is a nasty, ugly disease that that touches everybody in some way, shape, or form. And to know that you're out there in front fighting the battle for us is outstanding. So how did the disruption of 2020 impact the American Heart Association? I mean, it just seems like everybody has been impacted in some way, shape, or form by the pandemic. Is that true for the American Heart Association? And if so, what did this past year look like for your organization? Yeah, it definitely had an impact. You know, at, at its heart, no pun intended, our core mission did not change. The needs that COVID revealed were the needs we've been talking about all along in a lot of ways. That hypertension is a problem for cardiovascular disease and it exacerbates COVID-19. That poor nutrition is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease and exacerbates 
COVID-19. So our work didn't change in terms of what we were doing, but how we were doing it and how we were delivering it definitely changed. You know, we had to go from a lot of in-person events to a lot of virtual events. So from the year you chaired the Heart Walk and we had five or 6,000 people gathered down at the lakefront, that was not able to happen in 2020. And so we had to adjust and roll with that. And there were definitely some growing pains, but I think we've realigned the ship and are seeing that progress move forward again for sure. So as you've been going through this transition, so you talk about your fundraising efforts and regrettably, even though there's this disruption, the fundraising need doesn't stop. Even though people might lose their jobs or be furloughed, the fundraising need doesn't stop. So I guess, can you give us some examples of what the American Heart Association is doing to continue to fundraise strategically, maybe some of the pivots that you've done to still try to generate revenue for this very important cause, despite this crazy year that's been going on? Yeah, I mean, understandably, like so many nonprofits, we finished 2020 at a bit of a decrease in our fundraising perspective. Still had tremendous support in the community, and we were certainly grateful for that. But all of that uncertainty we felt that as well. As we've rounded the end of 2020 and into 2021, we've seen a lot of that rebound. And we're looking at a fantastically generous community that's supporting and endeavoring to support our mission going forward here. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to continuing to tell the story of of impact and need. And just so many opportunities to do that lately with work we've accomplished but gaps that remain, as we've talked about here a little bit today, with research or with chronic disease management. So, Well, and I'll give you an opportunity now to do just that, my friend. We like stories here on Beyond the Known. Can you tell us a story of impact or can you tell us a story of need just so our audience gets a better understanding of the important role that your organization plays? Yeah. One of our big, one of the things that quickly emerged in COVID-19 early on was we've heard before that there is a gap and a disparity in in Milwaukee and across the country in terms of who knows CPR. That statistically speaking, if you are African-American, you are less likely to know or receive CPR. And then that holds true here in Wisconsin as well, unfortunately. At the same time, we heard from a number of healthcare systems that they wanted to provide CPR training for infants, uh, the parents of infants, particularly if those infants were born and placed in the NICU. There was an additional risk for a congenital heart defect and some some heart conditions coming out of that. But the CPR classes they traditionally delivered could not happen in the midst of a pandemic. You know, you couldn't gather people in the room. Nurses didn't have the time necessarily to do that. And so we were able to quickly roll out to a number of local hospitals some CPR infant kits that allowed the parents to take home a kit that had a mannequin and a DVD that they could get themselves trained up on infant CPR, but then also share that with grandparents, babysitters, anyone who might be part of the care team for that child. And so quickly helped meet that need and address some of those disparities that might have existed otherwise. So again, I think we know what the basic answer is to a question like this, but hopefully you can maybe bring a little bit more granular detail. So let's say somebody's listening to this and says, yeah, you know what, boy, one in three deaths due to heart disease or cardiovascular disease, that's scary. Or, yeah, I've got maybe some risk factors for problems as I get older. Somebody says, all right, I'm going to start living a more healthy life, a life that's more friendly to the old ticker. What are a couple of things that somebody could start doing now 
they don't got to run marathons, you know, they don't have to yep. totally eat like a rabbit every single day. But, but what are things that people could start doing right now to start living a heart healthier life? Sure. And, you know, the fantastic news is that about 80% of heart disease is preventable if you take some of the right steps. And you're exactly right. You don't have to get up off the couch and start running a marathon. You don't have to go completely vegan and eat only organic food, but there are simple things we can do. You know, a statistic that I love is that a half an hour of moderate to brisk walking or physical activity can add an hour of life expectancy at the end of your life. So a two for one return on investment just by taking a walk around the block at a decent pace. Similarly, you know, if we could just reduce the amount of sodium we're intaking, that can have a tremendous impact on your blood pressure and drastically reduce the, the risk you have for a future cardiovascular emergency. And so just taking a walk around the block, watching those nutrition labels for sodium, adding a few more fruits and vegetables, certainly if you're using tobacco, stop today if possible and you know make that a priority. But a few of those simple things that we can wrap our heads around can have a tremendous impact on our long-term cardiovascular health. Yeah. Excellent advice. Just takes a few small steps in the right direction day in and day out to get you to where you want to be. One of the things that I admire most about the work of the American Heart Association, we, we touched on this a little bit when we talked about the collaboration between the AHA and the STAR group, is you're not just working to make healthier individuals, you're working to make healthier organizations. I mean, you partner with a number of organizations and one of the things that I'd really like you to speak to a little bit is this worksite wellness program. Can you talk a little bit specifically about what that is, how it works. We've got a number of business owners and C-suite executives that listen to this program. If they say, you know what, I might want yeah. to bring something like that to my company. What is it? How does it work? And why should business owners or entrepreneurs consider bringing that to their organization? Absolutely. You know, I think there's a certain amount of power that individuals have in determining their cardiovascular health. And we just talked about some ways they can do that. But we also quickly realize that you run up against barriers of what's around you in your environment. And that's true of where we live. And we talk about zip code mattering for your health. But it's also true of where you work. Your employer can push out all the information in the world they want around eating better and eating more nutrition, nutritiously. But if the only food available to you at work is a vending machine full of candy bars and soda, it makes it hard for that healthy choice to become the easy choice. And so our worksite wellness efforts are really focused on giving employers the tools they need to turn that equation around and help people have easy access to health, whether it's nutrition, opportunities for physical activity, tobacco cessation, et cetera. And the fantastic thing is that because of the great support we get from our fundraising events is that 99% of those tools are available for free to employers of any size. So whether it's a star group with 30-ish employees or somebody with 10,000 employees, we're able to support all of those different organizations with some of our tools and resources. Outstanding. And especially since it's free. Gosh, who doesn't like something that's free? I mean, it's one thing to get a free soda. It's another thing to get a free worksite wellness program. Come on, people. That's outstanding. Talk to me a little bit about this symposium that's coming up. I've been a part of these in the past. These are pretty awesome events. I don't want to steal your thunder, Mr. Nikolai, but what is the symposium and why should people care about it? 
Yeah, so our Wisconsin Workplace Health Symposium is an annual event we have. This year it's March 16th. It'll be virtual, so you can join from wherever you're listening today, you can join us on the 16th. And really this year's theme is about emotional intelligence and understanding kind of the intersection of mental health with physical health. Certainly an important topic today with all of the the stress that employees are under and kind of blurring the lines between home and work life when you might be working from your basement to your kitchen table. It's also our annual chance to celebrate the companies that are doing things right in terms of worksite wellness. So we're definitely looking forward to recognizing about 40 employers this year from the state in that, at that event. Just a great opportunity to gather virtually and learn and dialogue about health in the worksite. Yeah, as a guy that's attended these symposiums in the past, it is a very powerful day, an inspiring day, a mentally stimulating day from some of the greatest minds out there. Tim, if somebody's interested in partaking in the festivities, how do they go about signing up for the symposium? Yeah, easiest way is to go to the event's website, which is just heart.org slash workplace health WI. And you can sign up right there. Sounds awesome, Tim. Is there a fee to get involved? We do for this event. There is a $25 registration fee, which we hope fits most of the budgets out there. So Tim, we've talked a little bit about your background. We talked a little bit about my story and how heart disease has, has impacted the Newberger clan to some degree. How has heart disease touched your family? Has it impacted your family on a personal level? And if so, how? Yeah. I mean, for a long time, I could have said that I was one of the fortunate few that it hadn't had much of a direct impact on the Nikolai clan. That changed a little bit since the time I've started here at the Heart Association, unfortunately. My wife's grandfather passed away after a series of strokes and heart attacks that left him physically limited for quite a while prior to his death. I mean, that's one of the things we work on is helping to ensure that, you know, especially for strokes, that not only do people survive, but they have the opportunity to thrive in a way that my wife's grandfather didn't. And then my own grandfather had some some issues with cancer that ultimately some of those treatments and different things led to some heart problems developing later in his life as well. So definitely relevant. Like so many of us, it does hit home for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And Kudos to you, though, man. You know, you're channeling that into productive activities. You're not a whole lot we can do about some of our family members that we've lost along the way, but, you know, we can prevent other families from suffering that. Other families from losing a loved one too early. And I have the utmost respect for what you're doing, Tim. You're doing great work. And I know there's people listening to this that are inspired by you as well, that want to support the American Heart Association to some degree. So what can our listeners do to help? How can they get involved and where should they go to take those steps? Yeah, definitely. There's a number of doorways into the American Heart Association. I mean, certainly we talked about the need for continued funding and we welcome individuals or or companies that want to contribute to that. We also have our advocacy network that allows and empowers people to make their voice known to their state, local, and federal government officials. So that's a great opportunity to help shape a culture of health for our whole community. Probably one of the easiest ways to get involved is if you go to our local website, which is heart.org slash Milwaukee, you'll find my contact information on there as well as a number of our other staff as well as upcoming events and just different ways to get involved there. So again, that was heart.org slash Milwaukee. So 
This has been Tim Nikolai of the American Heart Association joining us, the most famous alumnus ever to come out of Ripon College. And Tim, before I let you go, your favorite Ripon College memory. Oh boy. I think I really enjoyed the opportunity to have a place in a, and you know, you and I both know it was about a thousand students at the time. And so you had an opportunity to stretch your wings and try different things. And so whether it was writing for the college paper or having a local access, cable access TV show about politics, whatever the case might be, Ripton gave you a chance to stretch your wings and do some of that. So definitely recommend any high school juniors, seniors there, check it out. I would agree. And I would say one of my favorite memories on certain days of the week. I mean, you had the Ripon Good Cookie Factory and then you had all these cow pastures. What was interesting is walking to the Pickard Commons, it all depends on which way the wind was blowing. On a good day, it smelled like cookies around campus, and life just wouldn't get any better. But on a bad day, it smelled like cow dung all day, and it's just not a very good day. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, as much as we could reminisce about Ripon College, I just want to say thank you again, Tim, for all the good work that you do. I know people don't get into the nonprofit sector to make a million bucks. The work is tough. The work is challenging. It's amazing work you're doing. You're touching lives every single day, including my family. And it's a blessing to know you, my friend. This is Tim Nikolai, Senior Community Impact Director for the American Heart Association of Wisconsin. And it was a pleasure to have you on the program, my friend. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.